Today, we're going into the book of Hebrews. Now, if you're a visitor today, or if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, we kind of got into a spiritual warfare series, and we need a little bit of uplifting, right? We just came out of, you had week after week of, oh, this is tough. So we're going to be doing a little bit of encouragement here today, and, and there's a message here for us. I'm going to start in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way open for us through our curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And yet, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Life has a way of wearing us down. Has it wore down you, any of you lately? It does. It has a way of wearing us down. And when we're discouraged, what usually happens? Well, one, we start complaining and we start feeling sorry for ourselves. We may even turn bitter and isolate ourselves. Nobody here's ever just pulled up the car, you know the door and shut the pulled blanket over your head and hid for a day, have you? We all do that. In today's world, it appears that almost everybody is getting connected to somebody else. We have cell phones. We have email. We have Facebook, Twitter, and much, much more. My problem as a minister, side note here, is I have to be on all of them, so you send me. I got one person sends messages by messenger. I got one person sends it by Twitter. One person, I got to be on all of them. It's ridiculous. But no matter how much we are connected technically, it seems we're getting less and less connected personally. That's not what God intended. In fact, the Bible tells us that when God first made man, he said it is not good for man to be alone. That's Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We were made with the desire to connect, to belong, and to be accepted by others. And one of the world's, no, let's have, I'm going to do this. And one of the words that the Bible expresses that in is this, this togetherness we're talking about that is sharing ourselves among one another is this word that we love to use in churches called fellowship. You've heard us use fellowship a lot. Experiencing that fellowship is important because life has a way of wearing us down and we tend to get discouraged. That's just a fact of life. 
The book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. When we're discouraged, there'll be times we have a broken spirit. There'll be times when our strength is gone. Now, once in a while, after I meet somebody going through a challenge, I sit alone. Now, that sounds funny, but I do. I, I sit alone after meeting some people, and they, they, they contact the church for a myriad of things. And I'm almost stunned by the amount of things they're carrying inside. All around us, people are being crushed by life. Their marriages are falling apart. Their finances are an absolute mess. I would say the average person that comes to church for help has five or six credit cards, and each one of them is maxed out. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their kids. They have regrets. Huge regrets from the past. And their health isn't what it used to be. Any of you in that boat? Health isn't what it used to be? Life has a way of wearing us down, doesn't it? And when we're discouraged and feeling sorry for ourselves... Sometimes we can get so discouraged that we even stop doing normal things and just hide away. It's sad that we do that. Because that's when we need each other the most. Isolation isn't the answer. So let's start looking at why we need to encourage each other in this world that you and I live in today. There's a reason why, as Christians, we need to be concerned about each other and encouraging each other. Let me take you to Jesus' words. Jesus, in John chapter 13, verse 35, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's a good reason. Jesus loves you without reservation. And the way we can show that we are his followers is do the same with one another. The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11. Encourage one another and build each other up just as you are already doing. That's good words to hear. Again and again, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. The second, he said, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now you can read those words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 39. That's what he told us to do. Now, a lot of people don't understand what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about relationships. 
our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. It's not about rules. It's not about knowledge. It's about loving, lasting relationships. Now, how many of you have seen at least one Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Okay, most of you. The East Indian Trading Company was established in 1600s by England originally for spice. And they were the bad people in the movie. They are a real thing. They're real. The movie made them the bad guys. And they were kind of the bad guys. They had their own army of 200,000 standing men under arms in different countries all over the world, which was twice the size of the nation of England's army at the time. They were the first ones to sell opium to China. They took opium to China to get the tea, to bring back the tea, to get the spices out of India and to sell the tea in England and the spices. They, they introduced opium to China. In the 17th and 18th century, the East Indian Trading Company relied heavily on slave labor and traffic into slaves. They ran the slaving ships. From the East Africa and West Africa, especially in Mo- Mozambique and Madagascar, they ran the slaving ships, many of them. They, they were worth 78 million Dutch guilders, which translates in today's money. When the, when the country of England broke them up, they were worth 7.9 trillion dollars. They were the largest corporation that ever was in the world. Now, why am I telling you this? Why is this important? One of my heroes, one of the heroes of is Wilbur Williams Force, the man who worked so hard to get the English Parliament, Parliament to abolish slavery. Twice he was defeated in Parliament for his efforts. This one man went up against the East Indian Trading Company and they poured massive amounts of money to defeat him. He stood alone at times, discouraged. He was about to give up. Then John Wesley, his old friend, heard of his discouragement. Even though the John Wesley was on his deathbed, he pulled himself up and asked for a pen and paper. With a trembling hand, trembling almost to the point of not being able to read the message, he wrote these words to Wilbur William Force. Unless God raised you up for this very thing, you will be torn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God... Be for you, who can be against you? All, pardon me, are all of them stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of being well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. John Wesley died 
in the year 1781. That year's important, 1781. Just six days after writing this message to Wilbur Williams Force. I mean, he got up on his deathbed to write this message. With renewed dedication, Wilberforce continued the fight on. Then in 1833, remember Wesley died in 1791, 1833, just three days before Wilberforce's own death, it was brought to a vote once again in the parliament and they abolished slavery in England. What if John Wesley hadn't wrote that encouraging note when Wilberforce was ready to give up everything? He knew exactly Wesley was on his deathbed. He was on his deathbed and he stopped to write an encouraging note. Encouragement is important because so much is at stake. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I personally believe that Jesus is coming back soon. Eternity is on this, is at stake. That's why it's so important for us to encourage each other. So we're going to look into God's holy word and to see how we can encourage each other, encourage people, let's word it that way, effectively. But how are we to do that? Let's be honest. How can we encourage effectively? Isn't that a nice word, trying to encourage effectively? Our meeting together is a source of such encouragement. Hebrews, once again, chapter 10, check me out, verse 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that his return is drawing near. If you study the Bible, it, it says about the church and what it says about the church and how it talks about us, right? There are some things that the church cannot do well from a distance. Let me say that again. There are some things from a distance the church can't do well. This morning, you could turn on your television and hear some great sermons being preached from Texas or Georgia or Florida And you could hear and see some inspiring worship services. And if that is all church is for you, you could very well just stay home and watch television. And with great care and love, the same can be said about the internet. We are blessed with many people who watch our services on the internet. It's amazing. And our prayers that we bless them is we're blessing you. But you need, for those on the internet, you need more than a computer screen. That's not what church is all about. God gave his people a task that goes far beyond preaching and music as important as they are. He's called us to be a family, a community, a fellowship. He's called us to come and to know each other and and love each other. Now, some of the people watching us are in very dangerous places. 
We, we got to understand what we're talking about here. And so if you're on the internet and you're watching us from one of those dangerous places, we understand this great care. But you need more than just your computer screen. You need some other Christians. You're not called to be alone. You need fellowship. Again and again, the New Testament uses the phrase, one another. Love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, encourage one another. Just watching television or the internet alone won't do that. The only way we can effectively encourage one another is by committing ourselves to being part of a church family. Not just for sermons, but or just for the music. You know, the hymn night's going to be really fun, right? But you should show up, but not just for music, right? But to live in a relationship with one another. We need each other. Secondly, we sitting here today need to consider how we can express encouragement. Hebrews 10, 24, once again, let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. It takes thought. The way you encourage one person might not be effective with encouraging another person. We need to consider how to encourage one another. Now, the original Greek word translated encouragement here is an interesting word. It's a word usually that has a negative meaning. It means to... Oh, you're going to get nervous about this. You're going to get nervous. It means to irritate. No, that's not the right word. What's it mean? Irritate. Irritate. Did I get your attention finally? How about incite? Prod. Poke. Give me a sharp stick. I'll get you motivated. Well, during one practice session, Vince Lombardi... He, he was the coach for the Green Bay Packers. This one's for Jeremiah, right? Things were not going well for Vince Lombardi's team at practice. Lombardi singled out a guard for his failure to put out. It was hot. It was a muggy day. The coach called this young guard out, just starting guard, aside. He leveled his awesome vocal guns at him as only Lombardi could do. Son, you're a lousy football player. You're not blocking. You're not tackling. You're not putting out. As a matter of fact, it's all over for you today. Go take a shower. This big guard dropped his head and walked into the dressing room. 45 minutes later, when Lombardi walked in, he saw this young big guard sitting at his locker, still wearing his uniform. His head was bowing. He was sobbing quietly. He was done, he thought. Vince Lombardi, ever the, ever the changeable and always the compassionate warrior, did something of an about face. 
that was that was also typical of Vince Lombardi. He walked over to this young football player, put his arms around him, and he said, Son, what I told you was the truth. You are a lousy football player. You're not blocking, you're not tackling, you're not putting out. However, in all fairness, I should have finished the story. Inside of you, son, there's a great football player. Now, do you know who that man was? Ray Nitschke was the classic linebacker of the early NFL. He listed at six foot three. Now, this time he has no hair because he played many years. He was 235 pounds of solid muscle. And he's remembering for his Bruce, terrible, oh, his defensive style was just unending roughness and aggravation. If you stood in front of him, you were going to go down. You were going to go down. He played 190 games during his 15-year career with Green Bay Packers. He starred on Lombardi's five champion teams. He was a starter on those five teams. And he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1978. What could have happened if Vince Lombardi had not encouraged this young man when his head was bowed and tears were still coming out of his eyes 45 minutes later. The original Greek word translated encouraged in our passage today is what Vince Lombardi did for this young man. We're called and instructed in God's holy word to incite others to acts of love and good works. With some of you, Encouragement just happens naturally. Others may think, God didn't give me any spiritual gift. When all along God has given you the gift of being able to encourage others. You enjoy doing it. It's just part of your nature. If so, Romans Chapter 12, verse 8 is for you. It has a message for you sitting in here today. If you have the gift of showing kindness, do it gladly. Use your gift of encouragement. You have a vital ministry and it's needed by all of us. Now for the rest of us, encouragement won't happen unless we plan to do it. How many of you are thinking, now, everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes, trust me. How many of you are good at encouragement? Raise your hand. Some of you got your eyes open. That's not fair. Close your eyes. Yeah, that's about the right percentage, five of you. Six, well, there's six one went up. All the rest of you kept your hands done. So, let me give you some ideas. You can open your eyes. Of how you can encourage people. Because you only had six hands out of all the people here go up. I don't know what your mailbox is like, but mine gets stuff full of magazines, which I do order, although some I don't, and junk mail. How many of you got a love-hate relationship with junk mail? At least you know the mailman came, right? 
When I see a handwritten letter, a handwritten note, that's the first one I open. You know what I'm talking about? With somebody, the handwritten, not, not a computer generated thing, a handwritten. Oh, okay, I open that first. One of the most effective ways to encourage one another is a simple little note. Cards. My wife's a, a card hist. She, she even got me hooked on cards. I keep a box of cards in my door. It's, it, it's, it's a great way. It's one of the most effective ways to encourage someone. It's just a simple note telling them that you're thinking of them and praying for them. I also have what you might call a love-hate relationship with the telephone. Okay, then I scratched it out of my sermon. I spoke phone. Some of you still don't understand what a telephone means. Did you know the young people don't even know what telephone means? They just call it a phone or a cell, right? They don't know what telephone means. Okay, sidebar here. We have a house line, landline, church line, landline, cell line, right? And never ending, once I'm on one of them, the other one rings. It does. I can go all morning, no phone. All of a sudden, two of them are ringing at once. I really do hate them at times. Sometimes I'm torn between the desire to answer it or throw it out the window. Not any of you ever been there? But what would happen if you picked up your phone, your cell, and called up someone and said, I don't have much time, but God just put you on my mind, and I want to tell you you're in my prayers today. So consider how you can use your telephone to encourage one, one another, to encourage others. Now, please remember, if you get, send me a text, I normally only send you a smiley face back that I got it because I, I can't text and drive. My eyes don't work that good. Please do not text and drive, okay? You know how many people you see going down the road texting messages? It just don't work. Now, how, where are we going to go to next? Some of you have lost a loved one. And know how tough anniversaries and bereavement can be. So use your concern to encourage others on anniversaries of their lost. A little card in the mail means so much. Sometimes the best way isn't through words at all or cards. It's by tr- through listening. It's by trying to understand the other person. Understanding sometimes is better than advice, just listening. Someone they can talk to, share with, have a cup of coffee with, a cup of tea with. There are countless ways to encourage. Once again, the Bible says, think of ways to encourage one another. Some put thought into it. Others really have to put a lot of thought into it. That's the second principle of encouraging effectively. Now the third principle of effective encouragement 
is to commit to encouraging daily. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage each other every day while it is today. Help each other so none of you will become hardened because sin has tricked you. You need to write down, if you make notes, Hebrews 3.13. And go back and read it when it's fresh in your mind. Encouragement has to be daily. This means encouragement even when there's little to encourage about. We need a reason to encourage every day. It's, if you, if really, if you need this reason. Let me, let me put it to be very honest. If you don't make it a regular habit, you're not going to do it. If we only do it when we feel like doing it, it'll never get done. Now allow me to share a hard truth with you today. When you came in this morning, it is likely you weren't particularly thinking of other people's needs this morning. You came here for you, right? Most, normally we come, we got to be here, right? We got to, you know, the musicians got to play music, right? The the people got to be in classes. You didn't come thinking of other people this morning. It's probably true for most of us. Hidden opportunities for encouragement will surface only if we regularly look for them. Only as we make a commitment and a habit of encouraging. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 5 says, Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 21, it says, What you say can mean life or death. Your encouraging words can change somebody else's life and maybe even your life. One of of my other heroes in life is President Lincoln. Your encouragement can have great power. One reason why is because nobody, everybody... Let me work this out. Nobody doesn't need encouragement. Everybody does need encouragement. The night Abraham Lincoln was shot, he was assassinated at Ford's Theater. He was carrying two pairs of glasses because they didn't have reading glasses back then. You had to have one pair for seeing, one pair for reading. He had a small velvet eyeglass cleaner. He had an ivory pocket knife. He had a large handkerchief with A. Lincoln stitched in red on it by his wife. He had a tiny itty-bitty pencil. They didn't throw away the pencils. He had to write notes down. He had a tiny itty-bitty pencil. He had a brass sleeve button that must have come from some other time he was wearing a brass sleeve. They would put little buttons on their thing. He had a fancy watch fob. No watch, but a watch fob. He had a brown wallet with the Confederate $5 bill in it that somebody had given him. And in that wallet, he carried eight newspaper clippings that he had personally cut out and saved. All those clippings praising him 
That's what he kept. No president had went through so much. See, we lift him up right now. When he was president, they thought he was hellfire and brimstone coming down on everybody. There were more people mad at him than he ever knew what to do. You got to remember, he was a wartime president. We lost more men in the Civil War than any other war we ever were in. Men were coming home without limbs. Men were coming home without legs. Wives without husbands. He was not a popular president. Now in the course of history, he's loved. Back then, he was dirt walking on the street. But he kept these clippings in his wallet. Somebody had wrote something nice about him and he kept them because he needed encouragement. I tell about the story about the day of the cookies. See, in those days, you didn't have to go through, you actually got to go into the president's office. A whole line of people would come in the office requesting things from him. Especially, mostly parents hunt for children who are at war, trade, or they're captured prisoners. And this one lady came out with a basket of cookies. And she said, she's a little old lady, white hair, right? Said, I heard you like chocolate chip cookies. I made you some. Have a nice day. Turned around and walked out. She never asked for nothing. He called her back. Just said thank her. The only person in the line that ever just said thank you. That made it into his book. Do you know what year chocolate chip cookies were invented? They were brand new items. They were new. Nobody had put, thought about putting chocolate chips into cookies. This lady thought it. She, she's not the one who invented it, but she took it to him. Now, if you notice, he's much taller than everybody else. I'm sure he could eat his good fair share of cookies. But when he was living, they called him every name in the book. They told him he was the most stupid man who ever walked. They were fighting him. They were trying to get him kicked out. In his wallet, he had those clippings. You can go look at many, any book on him and read what the clipping said. It was just saying something nice about him. It's what he longed for. No, nobody's perfect, but we all need a little lifting. It's too easy to hide. It's too easy to disappear. It's too easy just to pull the covers back over your head. Any of you ever do that in the morning? Any of you ever feel like just pulling them over for another hour? I'm not talking because you're tired. Because life's getting heavy. Don't go through it alone. As we've been talking these last weeks, life's getting really tough. The battle's coming. A lone soldier will die. Groups can survive. Don't go into the battle alone. And don't go into the battle without ammunition. God's holy word. The lone person does not stand a chance. Even the army, when they send out snipers, send them out two by two. They got one spotter, one shooter. They used to send them out by themselves. They didn't survive. You don't go by yourself into the battle. Now we need to close in prayer. And then you guys get to go out and enjoy this beautiful day. Any of you excited about it? Some of you, 
have got exciting things coming. We're excited for you. Others of you have challenges coming, and we will stand with you. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you have blessed us in so many ways. You blessed us with an extended family. We are the family of God. We are your adopted sons and daughters, and that means we have brothers and sisters. Thank you for that, Father. Now bless us all by your presence. In your Son's most precious name we pray. Amen.